Wow. Great reading. Thank you so much, Graham, for giving us that. And uh, we're going to think the title of this talk is The Lost Art of Faithfulness. And we're going to think for a few moments together about faithfulness. And my question is, really, my opening question is, what kind of faithfulness could the living God bring about in your life, my life? What new expression? What new expression of faithfulness? It's a wonderful quality. You could see it in all sorts of ways. What ways might the Lord bring about new fruit of faithfulness in our lives? That's my question. Because we're used to thinking about faithfulness in a romantic context, right? So, um, Love Island. Sometimes as a, as a gospel minister, you feel like you need to engage with the philosophy of this age and, uh, you know, constructively criticize the uh, popular cultural moment that is represented to us in Love Island. Uh, for those who don't know the show, which I don't... I have seen once or twice. It is, um, it is a sort of a boys and girls in swimming costumes. And the name of the game is really, or will you be faithful? The question that, that really they're being asked is, will you be faithful? Will you be faithful to your, the person you've sort of partnered up with? Or will your head be turned for this, you know, the new girls and boys coming in or whatever? Uh, because you might win a prize of £50,000 at the end if you, you know, successfully get to the end, the last remaining couple. I think it's something like that, basically. No one knows. Everyone just said, OK, what, this guy watches that programme? The thing is, public opinion always, really unanimously says, um, faithfulness, even, even, in the, even in spite of you know, very bodily urges and attractions is a good thing. Faithfulness, even in spite of the fact that you're in a game show and you're trying to win a £50,000 prize, is a good thing. Public opinion's always like, no, it's good loyalty. Faithfulness. It's a good thing. We're used to thinking about it in romantic terms. Obviously, in marriages, I know some of us will be married. Some of us on the live stream will be married. It is a beautiful thing that we've covenanted each other. Let me remind us, those of us who are married, we've said to each other, I pledge myself to you for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. That's what we say to each other. Sometimes in marriage prep, I tell people, because uh, I've heard this myself, um, if your marriage lasts, I don't know, like 30, 40, 50 years, you'll probably be married to about five or six different people, right? Because the person you marry in your 20s and 30s, they're not going to be the same person when they're in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s. They're going to be a bit fatter for a start. Amongst other things, you are pledging yourself when you marry someone, you're saying, I will be faithful to you. Though everything else might change, I'm going to be faithful to you for better or for worse. Now, we're used to thinking about faithfulness in those terms, right? We're used to thinking about romantic faithfulness. But let's go back to the story of Ruth and show that there are other ways. There are other ways that God can produce faithfulness in us. And I want to see those and savor those Look at that. I want to just go for a few moments. I want to go, look at that. Isn't that amazing? 
So let me recap the story. For those who weren't with us last week, I know it's sometimes hard to jump into a story, so a very brief recap. I'm going to tell you a story from Naomi's perspective. Naomi is this lady who was married to a guy called Elimelech. Elimelech, 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 Elimelech. That's what we had last week. Married to a guy called Elimelech. They run away. They flee from their homeland, which is in Judah, Bethlehem in Judah, because there's a famine on, and they go to the enemy state of Moab, Right, of all places, you go there. Okay, they've gone to Moab. Uh, Naomi has two sons. They marry Moabite women. And really, from that moment on, things go from bad to worse. Those couples are childless. We're not told they had any children. Though they've been together for 10 years, these sons of Naomi have no children. And then her husband dies, Elimelech dies. And then her two sons die. Both of them die. And they're left, the three of them. So her, Naomi, and her daughters-in-law, um, including Ruth, the other one's Orpah, they're now widows. And furthermore, Naomi's going to make this journey back to her homeland. And who knows how that's going to go? Do you remember the story of Shemima Begum? Do you remember that story? It was in the news. So this was a girl from uh, Tower Hamlets in London who went out to Syria. Remember this? To join ISIS. Um, and then about four years later, maybe, wanted to make a return to the UK. And of course, it was all over the news. Her children had died, right? Three of her children had died. And she had this very you know, impassioned plea to return to the UK. And actually, it went right up to the top courts, Court of Appeal, Supreme Court, everything else. And unanimously, unanimously, the court ruled against her, said no. You're not coming back. You went there. You went to Syria and ISIS, having been brought up in the UK. So no. Now, Naomi went to Moab. So who knows what's facing her when she comes home. And then in the middle of that, Ruth, her daughter-in-law, says this amazing thing. Because, of course, Naomi's just been like, oh, the Lord's hand is so heavy upon me. My life is bitter and rubbish. This is dreadful. All those things we saw in chapter one last week. But then Ruth says this. Let me remind you of what Ruth said. It's so good. She says, look, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, Naomi, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God, my God, where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. Now, isn't that incredible? What a promise. Here is a life, look at Ruth there. Here is a life shaped saturated, imbibed with the faithfulness of God. Here it is, it's working its way out in an amazing pledge of companionship. This is friendship now. This is companionship. This isn't romantic anymore. Now these guys have some history, like I grant you that. They've been together 10 years. Like, they've obviously known each other for quite a while. They've lost husbands, they've been through, they have some shared grief. So there's obviously a common bond there, but nevertheless, what a pledge. 
I'll go with you. I'll stick with you. Amazing. How did this faithfulness come about? Do you remember what um, Boaz says when he's speaking to her? He says, look, he says, may the Lord repay you for what you've done. This is chapter 2 now, verse 12. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you've come to take refuge. So can you see there, Ruth's like, I've, I've found these wings, you know? These enormous wings, these, this covering. I've discovered such a covering, such a committed, uh, no exit plan. I love that little phrase that we had last week from June. I'll commit to you with no exit plan. These, that's the kind of wings Ruth's experienced. She knows that kind of faithfulness. And so she produces something so wonderful in that pledge. And, you know, it works away. I don't know if you saw in chapter 2. See, they're, you know, they're back in Judah. They're back in Bethlehem. And she's got incredible drive, Ruth. I mean, it's just wonderful to look at a human being like this. Initiative. She's like, right, you're too old, Naomi. You can't do this. Maybe you're just too depressed. You're too fed up with life. I'll go. I'll go out to the field. I'll get going. I'll start, you know, the hard work of uh, gleaning in the fields, gleaning the wheat so that we can eat something pretty basic they're just trying to survive and she works there all day when the report comes back to Boaz we'll see this in a minute she's like they like they say she has worked all day with one short break she's grafted credible initiative credible drive credible industry everyone wants a friend like Ruth don't we (laughs) I'm sure that all of us want to come into a church and find a whole bunch of Ruths but the point is that puts us in the place of Naomi the Bible's saying Take the place of Ruth. I'll say that again. We all want friends like Ruth. We all kind of want to experience what Naomi experienced with a friend like Ruth. But the book's not, it's not named after Naomi. It's named after Ruth because the author here is commending Ruth. Look at this. Look at this faithfulness, pledge, initiative, industry. What a friendship. Wonderful, isn't it? The kind of faithfulness, commitment the Lord God can produce in a life. Just savour it. Lord, would you do that? Would you do that in me? Don't wait, you know, brothers and sisters, don't wait for Ruth's to show up in your life. Don't wait and say, Lord, can you send me a Ruth? (laughs) Be a Ruth. Ask the Lord, Lord, make me like this. I know those wings. Just be like, Lord, I know those wings. I know those faithful wings. Make me like this. All right, that's one type of faithfulness. Let's see a different kind of faithfulness now. Let's look at Boaz. So we've had a little look at Ruth. Let's look at Boaz. He's another person in this story also showing extreme ordinary faithfulness extraordinary commitment it's not romantic not yet anyway (laughs) we'll get there it's not romantic yet it's not even a friendship faithfulness at this stage let's have a look and see what it is but first did we all note that Boaz is a good Anglican did you see that did we see that verse four 
So Boaz goes out to his workers in the field and he says, the Lord be with you. And they say <laughs> something like, and also with you. So like he looks like the local vicar. But do you know what I love about Boaz is, and I think, I think actually the reason why the author puts that in there, let's have a look at Boaz's life, how he greets his workers, as if to say, this guy's not just loving the Lord on a Sunday. You know? This guy's not just loving the Lord on a Sunday, he's loving him on a Monday. You know, when he's out on the farmer's field. Not just honouring God in the fellowship, not just honouring God here, but in the farmer's field, in the daily grind. Not just doing God in the gathered worship, but in the workplace. Here's a guy who's doing, taking his faith, his love for the Lord wherever he goes. It's working its way out in his job and in the way he treats his employees. The Lord be with you. So I like, I like Boaz, he's a good one. He's a good egg. Then he meets Ruth. Ruth comes along. And Ruth, can I just explain to you what Ruth is doing here? Just in case you're like, what's going on? There was a law of the land which basically said, look, if, you own, if, you own a, if you're a farmer or you're in a field, whatever, don't harvest your field right to the very edges because that needs to be reserved for the poor and for the foreigner. That was a law that the Lord God gave his people it's a bit, if you like, you could see it a bit like a tax. You know, you're going to harvest all of this, but a, a part of it, part of your income, your living, food, needs to be kept for the poor, needs to be redistributed to the poor and the foreigner amongst you. So there's this law. So that is what uh, Ruth's doing. She's like, right, we've got nothing. We need to eat. I need to hit the fields. I need to get the, the wheat from the from the harvest where I can so that we can survive. And Boaz notices her. Oh. And the first thing he's told, and he asks, he basically goes to his foreman and says, right, what's going on? Who's this then? Right, and I, I love, I love the, uh, the foreman's answer. Verse six, have a look at verse six. He goes, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab, uh, from Naomi. And by the way, she's from Moab. And did I say that she's a Moabite uh, and the fact that she's also from Moab? That sentence there, she, <laughs> he highlights to Boaz that this is a foreign woman. Uh, he makes sure that, she, you know, that Boaz knows that she's not from around here. She's not one of our kind. She's from that enemy state, Moab. But the beautiful thing about Boaz here is he could be really threatened by that. But he just sees opportunity. He sees this. He goes, oh, okay. I've got an opportunity. I've got an opportunity here. Here's a chance for me to show the faithfulness of God, the commitment of God, the, the kind of God that he is, crossing boundaries for people. Now, he's not obliged, is he? Boaz, he doesn't have to do anything more. He doesn't have to do anything more than just let her glean on the sides of his field. That would be what... Everyone will go, you know, fair enough. You're obeying the law of the land. You're paying your taxes. You're doing what's right. right? Everyone will go, do you know what, Boaz, fair enough. You've just let her do what the law allows her to do. And do you know, 
I get that. That's fine. That's cool. You're a good man. Right? He goes beyond that. He goes beyond that. Let's read it. Verse 8. Just see what Boaz does. Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. Notice there, he's not saying go to the edges, saying go amongst the sheaths. That comes out in verse 15. As he got up to glean, as she got up to glean, Boaz said to his men, let her gather among the sheaves, so in the main part of the field, and don't reprimand her, even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. See that? So he, he could have just gone, you could, yeah, yeah, fine, you carry on along the edges. But he's like, no, you go right into the middle, you go behind my workers, you get some good stuff. And by the way, he tells his workers, make sure you drop some extra. So that that night, if you read later on in the chapter, she goes home with an ephah flat, a whole load of grain. Enough for her, enough for Naomi. And just, she's just overwhelmed by this, verse 10. She falls on her face. So unexpected, you see. So unexpected. Wow. Falls on her face. Why, she says, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? So here's another. That's just beautiful, isn't it? Boaz. Look at Boaz. Prepared to show commitment, faithfulness, generosity to a foreigner, beyond what's expected, beyond what's required. Now we're going to need the Lord if we're going to produce, if God's going to produce faithfulness like that in our lives, and especially in the middle of this city. Let me just apply this for us a moment, just a heads up at this stage. We will meet in this church a lot of different people we are a city center church. We're not in the suburbs. It is right in the heart of South End on Sea. So we will meet a lot of different people coming through our doors here. Yes, different skin color. Yes, different nationalities. Yeah, foreigner in that sense. Yes, people who don't speak the same language as us. Yes. But other things too. Let me highlight one. It's just one on my heart. And I want to just bring this up for us as a church family. Because there's boundaries here that I think we need to explore. There'll be those amongst us who like well-ordered, tidy lives, civilized company, good taste, and all that kind of thing. And we'll need to pray to the Lord and ask for God's help for reaching out and drawing in those who maybe aren't so bothered about being neat and tidy because they're just trying to get from one day to the next. Now, it's going to take a work of God in me and others to explore those boundaries and welcome people in. When we meet people, not so ordered, their lives aren't so tidy, 
Things aren't so civilized. Things aren't such good taste. Because they're, they're just trying to make it through. Can we explore those boundaries together? They're amongst us. And we can show faithfulness. Don't see it as a threat. See it as an opportunity. We can find ways of exploring that boundary, welcoming people in. But let me flip it. Can I just flip this a sec? I'd like to flip this. Because there are those of us, I guess, who might regard us as salt of the earth, local people, been around the block a few times, seen a bit of life, etc., etc., seen some hard times, hard times you'll never know about, because maybe we think of the other as a bit sort of, I don't know, sheltered, bit educated, bit privileged. I've seen a hard life, I've seen it hard, you don't know how it is for me. Can we explore that boundary too from your perspective? Can you think to yourself, no, here's an opportunity for me to reach across and welcome in and be faithful and pledge commitment to each other. Let me finish with this. Boaz was faithful toward a foreigner because he truly knew the faithfulness of God. Do you know who Boaz's mum was? It's a lady called Rahab from Jericho. Remember Rahab? A Canaanite woman from Jericho. Right, that's outside. Not one of us. Foreigner, straight away. Then she was a prostitute. So that's not like us a second time round. You're unclean. And the amazing story about Rahab was she discovered the wings. (laughs) She found the wings. She found the wings of a faithful God expressed in a faithful people who reached out to her and said, come on in. She discovered those wings. She discovered that refuge. She discovered that care beyond those boundaries, foreigner, unclean prostitute and then she gave birth to Boaz and Boaz must have looked at his mum and her life and heard her story and said oh the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob is an awesome God that would welcome people in like you like me like our family and what you had who you were So Boaz knew it. He'd lived it. He'd experienced it. He felt that shelter. And he was like, I just, it overflows, doesn't it? You go, okay, so, of course. I'm going to show that out. Can't keep that in. I'm going to show that. I'm going to pass that forward. When I see opportunity in front of me, here's an opportunity right here. Okay. What's your name, Ruth? You're a Moabite. Fine. So we've got Ruth, who is faithful in her friendship. There's one type of faithfulness. Wouldn't that be great to explore? Deep, committed friendships. Companionship. Pledge. And then faithfulness to foreigners, to people across the boundary bringing them in. What kind of faithfulness? I'll leave you this question and I'll pray. 
What kind of faithfulness might the Lord be stirring in your heart? What is the Lord stirring up in you to be like, yeah, I want to have that kind of faithfulness. I want to show forth the faithfulness of God like that toward others. Let's pray. Boaz said, may you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Lord, we know those wings. We know those wings and we know that refuge and we praise and thank you for it. We're sat here this morning, Lord God, knowing the safety, security, faithfulness and commitment with no exit plan that you have shown me, that you have shown all of us in Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I pray for this fellowship and I pray for all of us here that, Father, you would work out in us new fruits of faithfulness, of generosity, of commitment over the line. Be with us, Lord, as we work this out together by your Holy Spirit. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.